You're listening to audio from One Church of High Point. If you'd like more resources or would like to donate, visit onechurchnc.net. Man, I'm excited as Vanessa just put me on blast. She said I was off for a couple of weeks. I better preach the walls off this building. So y'all might want to get some get somewhere where it may be safe because it may not be safe today. My desire is to preach in such a way that um, that the Holy Spirit will capture your heart. That the Holy Spirit will help transform who you are, who you desire to be. And if you're a Duke fan, transformation has already taken place. I just had to throw that in. I'm not, I don't have a dog in a fight. But, um, man, I'm so excited just to be here today. Guys, we start a new sermon series today. And our sermon series for the next several weeks is at the cross. If I know how to hit a, a F note or a C note or whatever those alphabets may be, I would sing it, but I'm not going to bless you with that. I'm reminded that at the cross, most people say that's where it was finished. But truth be told, that's where it started. It is at the cross where who we are and what God has called us to become and what God has called us to do is what we as believers, we can take hold of. And so today, if you have your Bible with you, I'll be lifting up a passage in Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. And I'll be reading from the NIV version. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Today's title is Standing at a Crossroad. Standing at a Crossroad. See, there are certain events in, in Scripture and throughout the Bible that truly shapes our faith, that it fashions who we are as, a believe, as believers. But even in that, there are major themes that we see all throughout Scripture that develops the framework of our Christianity. The book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, we can hear God hears the cries of his people. We see where God exposes the political system built on the backs of enslaved people. God shows up in the moment where the Red Sea, where he begins to 
question, where people begin to question what is impossible for man is actually possible for God. Because we serve a God who, can, who made a covenant, a promise with his people. A promise with his people to bring him to a place of providence. We see that in the scriptures in the very beginning of time in the book of Genesis, we see where God formed and fashioned man and we see where how God has displayed the original intent for his design. He desires to have a relationship with his creation. See, in the very beginning there, there was this time frame where man had a separation between God and themselves. But then that's where he sets a story of redemption in place. He sets a, a time frame where we, where you and I, where we can have a relationship with God the Father. We see the original intent about not only about the creation of man, but also the, the downfall of man. Then also we have the birth of Jesus Christ where 414 prophecies, think about that, 414 prophetic instances throughout the scripture tells the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our Savior. See, the events of the scriptures outline where man were looking for a king coming in in a shape of true royalty, adorned in gold and diamonds and jewelry and things of that such, but God came through an ordinary, simple, modest family. They missed it. Another event throughout the scripture we see is that the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, where he began to tell the Pharisees and the Sadducees and even the disciples that I would tear down this temple and I would raise it up in three days. They begin to ask a question, how can such a man tear down this temple and then rebuild it up in three days? And we know throughout the scriptures, he wasn't talking about the physical temple, he was talking about the body. Another event that we see throughout the scriptures that really shapes and fashions we as believers, as Christians, is the call to follow Jesus. See, it's another action that shapes our, our beliefs, our values, and even who we are as believers. Whether you follow Christ, it's strictly up to you. It's your choice. See, the call for many of us is very difficult. The call what God is asking of you to live out a life in such a way we don't fully embrace it. So we find ourselves standing at a crossroad. We see ourselves sitting in the middle where we have to make a decision, which way do I go? It's kind of like this picture that we're, it's on the screen where we're sitting in the middle. If we go to the left, there's one direction, but if we go to the right, it can lead us to a different path. And we find ourselves standing at a crossroad. And as we look at this path, as, as we make a decision, and we begin to try to, to try to calculate which direction do we take, which way does God want us to go, we're sitting there 
wondering. To the left, it's kind of dark and dim, but to the right, there's a little bit more sunlight and the weather may be just a little bit better. Honestly, if I had a choice, if God has prompted me to go to the left, where I may encounter some dark times, but out of my own physical and emotional mindset, I'm inclined to go to the right because that's where I can see the path. Like many of you and I, we're sitting at a crossroad. The call to follow Jesus. So what do you do when you do not know what to do? What do you do when you're standing there and you don't know what God really wants for you? I know what I want, but my flesh wants something different. See, the choices that I make is detrimental to what happens next. The choices that I is faced with determines where I will go. Even to the point where my circle of friends, they're, they're not of any help because they're not telling me what I believe what God wants me to do. So which way do I go? I'm kind of stuck in the middle. So let, let me just make it real for you, right? So let me just, let me put it this way. If I wanted to be political, do I vote Republican? Do I vote Democrat? Because either way, if I choose one or the other, I'm going to lose some friends, right? If you start posting on Facebook or Instagram and you start Snapchatting or, or, or tweeting, you may lose some of your political wealth. Friends will stop unfriending you because of your political position. What about, I want to roll this next blunt because... I'm on 10 now, I need to kind of just mellow out a little bit, right? I'm going to keep it real. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Get the paper, grind it up, roll it up, smoke, you know, come on. Puff, puff, pass. See? What do you do when you're at a level 10 and you need to come down some? You're standing at a crossroad. How about when you feel like you, you might need to cuss your boss out because, you know, they keep asking me for these reports and these reports can't get done. You're making these assumptions or you go to school when these kids are getting on your nerves and you want to just check out on them or you're Chris Rock. And Will Smith comes up and just put his hands on you. You catch him on a bad day, you might catch these hands. Right? This is real talk. You're standing at a crossroad. What do you do when you're standing with the decisions of life and you don't know if to go right or go left? What do you do when you're praying, asking God, which way do I go? And God is not responding. God, I'm crying out to you, which way do I go? Do I turn the other cheek? Or do I go toe-to-toe -to -toe on national TV? See, I'm stuck in the middle of a crossroad. Am I black enough? Am I white enough? Am I Latino enough? Am I Asian enough? I'm standing at a crossroad. Or I've been eyeballing this 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 man at work or this female at work, and nobody would know if I go ahead and just have that extra relationship on the side. 
because it won't hurt anyone. I'm standing at a crossroad. I'm dealing with these homosexual tendencies, and I just, I just don't know what, what this is, and I don't know what this feels like because I'm confused, and all the social media and the things I see on TV on the news and, and everything else on social media is telling me that it's okay for me to have this homosexual relationship. But God's design is saying, no. That is not my original design for you. But because of the fall of man, everything sin has entered into the world and God's original design is kind of gone by the wayside. I'm standing at a crossroad. I like this church. There's something different about this church, but I can't fully commit because I've been hurt in the past and things just don't work out. Now, I've been there before and, I, and I've given it all before and, I, and I've done it over and over again, but I'm standing at a crossroad. What do you do when you're standing in the middle? And to the left, there's a dark path, but to the right, the path is a little bit more light. So we base our decision on the appearance versus God tells us what to do. Let me put it like this. Does our decisions line up with God's desires? Does your decisions line up with God's desires? See, the decisions that we make affect our lives and ultimately can shape our faith. So does our decisions that we make in life, do they line up in such a way that it lines up with God's desires for your life? And I'm not talking about what to wear. No, that's, that's, that's minimal. I mean, if you, it might, you know, cost you some social status, but other than that, it's all good. But what about who to marry, Right? What if I married Faith and God told me to marry Felicia, right? What if I was supposed to marry Felicia, but I married Faith? And before you guys start asking, I don't know anybody named Faith, so don't be trying to call my wife and tell her, like, um, Ryan putting you on blast. Let me know, let me text my wife myself because y'all might be trying to text her, like, Ryan talking about this, name, this girl named Faith. I know how y'all do, Lindy, <laughs> Vanessa, <laughs> and both my mamas are here today too, so they will call her. <laughs> Ultimately, who you marry can determine the level of misery that you may encounter. Even it may even derail what God has called you to do. So there's certain decisions that we have in life that we have to make sure that we line up our decisions with God's desires. So how do I determine the providential will of God so that way my decisions matches God's desires? Because many of us are walking in God's permissive will and not his providential will. There's a difference. 
The permissive will of God is basically what he allows you to choose. That's, that's the free will. That he allows us to make decisions based on what we desire to do, right? That's God's permissive, um, permissive will. But his providential will. It's that God ordained, it's that God designed will for your life that he has already pre-described. This is what he desires for you to kind of fully walk out. I'm going to ask you again, does your decisions line up with God's desires? So what do you do when I'm standing in the middle? What do you do when you're standing at a crossroad? Now, if I was a, a Quaker, they would tell me to wait. If I was a Pentecostal, they would tell me to run after and go. If I was Baptist, they would say, read my Bible, right? Come on. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. But the Bible doesn't tell me everything how to live out. Very specific things for our lives. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. The Bible is not going to tell you what to wear, who to marry, no. But the Holy Spirit will. What do you mean, Pastor Ryan? Let's look at Acts chapter 6 real quick. I'm kind of just giving you guys a a foundation where we're going to go today. Acts chapter 6, verses 6 and verse 7 says this. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Pyrrha in Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Hmm. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit would not allow them to enter into Bithynia. Are you connected to the Holy Spirit in such a way that you're listening to what they're telling you, what he's telling you to do? Scripture says that they prevent, that the Holy Spirit prevented them to go into Bithynia. So church, I want you to realize this. Sometimes God's no is louder than God's yes. Sometimes God's no is louder than God's yes. The Holy Spirit prompted Paul and said, no, you cannot go to Bithynia. So yes, God's no is an answer. It gives you that design of what he's trying to tell you to do, where he's trying to tell you to go. The Holy Spirit is here to give us discernment and direction. And sometimes we can find God's will through his no, which will lead us to his yes. His no is a yes for you. You have to begin to really realize that. Sometimes when God says no, he's outlining his yes somewhere else. Revelation chapter 3 verse 7 says this. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. That's God's yes and God's no. You guys know that we've been looking for a building just to kind of transition so that way we can become just really good stewards of what God has given us, right? We talked about how this facility is just the operational cost and just the investment that it takes to really run this facility. If you guys don't know, our mortgage is about $50,000 a month. We've talked about that publicly. It's nothing that we're, we, don't, we don't hold anything secret. Imagine what we can do in ministry for $50,000 a month. 
Imagine the number of lives that we can help change, the number of families that we can help out. And so as we begin to transition out of this facility, the elders and our leadership team, our pastoral team, we were actually looking at at a facility. We went on site, we toured it, we was about to sign the paper, and God said no. He said, I have something else for you. He said, if you would just wait, there's something else better. And there's something else that I've designed for your church to have that I need you to walk into. Now, granted, we could have went down to East Chester, moved to the whole different facility, would have been actually in there right now. But God says, no, wait. Are you okay with God's no? Are you truly okay with God's no? Sometimes I struggle with that. I'm going to be honest. Who wants to be told no? Thank you. But God's no is leading to his yes. Here in Luke chapter 9, we see Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. Let me just give you a backdrop. Jesus' ministry was on fire. He's beginning to kind of grow crowds around and people are following him. He healed the man that was paralyzed. They caught a boatload of fish. He healed the man with leprosy. He healed the man on Sabbath. He began to preach about narrow is the gate and straight is the path. Jesus began to have followers and crowds pressing in on him from everywhere. And Luke chapter 9, verse 57 says this. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Think about that. Some random guy comes up and says, hey, Jesus, what's up? Yo, I will follow you everywhere you go. Jesus said, okay. Foxes have dens. Birds have nests. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Are you down with that? So Jesus, what, what are you trying to tell me that where are we going to go? We won't have no, no Hilton, no, no Hampton Inn, no NBC Suites, no, no Marriott Courtyard. He's like, no, none of that. We'll have a, a, a pile of leaves and a rock. That's where you're going to lay your head. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I know I'm kind of bougie just a little bit. Actually, my wife is bougie. Yeah, I'll tell her, yeah, I'm talking about it. She can look at the video and watch it herself. <laughs> My wife does not like camping. She, man, if Victor Mountain Camp has just, you know, just, it's, just not, it's not for her. I'm down with it. You know, my kids, my, my, my son and my daughter, we love camping. You know, we don't mind it. But my wife, boy, she needs a pillow with a pillow top mattress with doubt. I mean, she needs all of that. She's like, Jesus, can we make some arrangement where I can see you every other weekend? Can we go on? You know, she was like, no. <laughs> Pastor Ryan, what are you trying to say? Your alignment with God is determined by your actions with God. Let me say that again. Your alignment with God is determined by your actions with God. 
So how you align yourself with God is truly determined by your actions. If you are a true disciple, if you are a true follower of Jesus Christ, everything that you do, everything that you say, everywhere that you go is determined by your actions. In other words, that is your fruit. The fruit of who you are will show. Jesus told the young man, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the son of man have no place to lay his head. Jesus knew very well what he was talking about. Jesus left his home. And I'm not talking about his home in Bethlehem. I'm talking about his home in heaven. Think about that. He left his home for you and I. Knowing that he would be rejected. Knowing that he would be spat upon. Knowing that he would even be beaten. He surrendered the comfort of heaven to come here to earth to save you and I back to the Father. So following Jesus is greater than your comfort. Following Jesus should be greater than your comfort. The comfort of your home, the comfort of where you are, the just how you live and do life that if you're truly following Jesus, it's greater than your comfort. So you have to make adjustments to our daily lives and our schedules and things of that nature. Less of me and more of him. That means you might need to adjust your schedule. You might need to adjust the way that you do things. You may need to get up an hour earlier. You may need to go to sleep an hour later. I was telling um, a team of our leaders, uh, I think I was having a conversation with Jason. They're like, Pastor Ryan, go get some rest. I guess I was looking tired on Thursday. I don't know. I said, no. I said, there's too much to be doing. There's too much for God that has me to do for me to rest. Why is that? And I began to talk about my mentor. My mentor told me, like, if you're living in L.A. and you get up at 8 o'clock in the morning, he said the stock market is already open for three hours and you're missing out on the world. He said, you have to adjust your life to what God has called you to do. So I may get six hours of sleep a night. On a good day, I may get 7.5, maybe 8 if I sleep in. But on an average, I sleep about five to six hours a, a day. Because there's so much that has to get done for the kingdom that I am willing to make adjustments to my schedule so that way I can impact our communities, so that way we can impact our lives, so that way we can have a transformed community, a transformed church, which leads to a transformed city. Point number two, following Jesus should be greater than your family. Mm. Got quiet quick, didn't it? Following Jesus should be greater than your family. Now let's, let's look at this. Verse 59 says this. 
He said to another man, follow me. He said to another man, follow me. Verse 57 says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Did you guys see the difference in that? In verse 57, the young man said, I will follow you. But in verse 59, Jesus gave the invitation to follow him. Here's the difference. Some of us say, you know what, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. That's great. And for some of you, Jesus has been calling on you for years. He's been giving you the invitation to say, come and follow me. And what was the young man's response? But he replied, Lord, let me go first. Let me go and bury my father. Mm. He replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. So let me give you some some customary Jewish customs that's built into this part right here. Some of the, the theologians have two different perspectives on what's taking place right here. Some of the theologians believe that in the Jewish customs, what is customary is that after somebody dies, the family will mourn over that family member for seven days. After the seven days, they will, they will wrap the body with, in a tomb with cloth and spices and things like that, mourn them for seven days by the immediate family members. Now, the immediate family members will remain close to the body unless they're going to the tomb. After that seven days, they will go back and take that body, leave it in the tomb for a year. After the year passes and the body decomposes, the family will go back one year and take the bones and put them in a small box and put them back into another tomb. So some theologians are saying that this family member has already gone through the process either for the year for that that son or daughter to go back into the tomb and collect the bones and then bury the father, or he had just died. That's, That's the first view of some theologians. The second view is this, that the father wasn't even past just yet, but he was up in age. What do you mean? That the father was up, let's say 70 or 80s or 90s, whatever the age may be, and he, had, he was near death, and what the son or daughter wanted to do was, was to wanted to spend the rest of that time with that parent before they had committed to following Jesus. Now, why is that important? It's two different thought patterns here. Some of us are waiting to follow Jesus until we come to a place with our family has passed. Some of us are waiting to go back and bury the bones. But either way, God is calling you to come and follow him. He is saying, let the dead bury the dead. He says this, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Point number three, following Jesus 
is greater than your desires. So we have three points here. Following Jesus is greater than your comfort. Following Jesus is greater than your family. And then last point, following Jesus is greater than your desires. Why is that desires? The desires to go back and see the pleasures of this world. The desires of, of reflecting back to where you used to be. The desires of the things that you actually had, God is trying to pull you out of and take you away from. Jesus is saying no one who sets his eye for the kingdom and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom. So many believers begin to walk out this life and this relationship as a disciple of Christ and we begin to look back. I've done it. Anybody else? I remember going back like, man, I miss going back to the club. I used to go, you know, miss going back, hanging out with my boys. And we, we do what we do. But I've gotten to a place in my journey with Christ that I've been walking with him for so long. Those desires, I, they don't even resonate with me anymore. Now, why is that? It's because of the community of believers that I've placed myself around. It's because I changed my appetite. I changed the things that I used to do the things I used to feed myself, the things I used to surround myself with, the people that I surround myself with. Once you start doing that, your desires begin to change. But if you want to keep having those desires, keep the same community, keep the same appetite, and you will still live and you will still begin to live that mediocre Christian life. Now, you saved, you're going to heaven. But the beauty of being a disciple, fully committed disciple of Christ, that you begin to walk in every blessing that God has for you. Think about this. As the worship team comes to get ready to, I'm closing. The progression of Luke after this. He talks about a scripture about sheep. In Luke chapter 15, you guys know about this scripture, where Luke talks about the 99 sheep, but then there's one that's, that's gone afar, that's lost. Now begin to ask God, why did Luke put the scripture after he called the disciples to follow him on multiple accounts? And we see it all the way through the scriptures from Luke chapter 1 to Luke chapter 14, where Jesus has called not only the disciples who follow Jesus Christ, but he has called many other disciples after that. And the Luke begins to take an account for the 99 sheep, and he said, what would you do if one was to go astray? And what Luke was talking about is this, that many of us, have been in the sheepfold of the great shepherd. That we follow the high priest. That we have benefited from the table of our heavenly father. But during your course of life and you begin to walk and do things and you've been a, a witness for a while, you've been a Christian for quite some time, and somehow you've kind of gone astray. 
As a sheep, you kind of gone and done, started doing your own little thing. And the next thing you know that you found yourself lost and separated from the 99. Luke began to ask the shepherd, what would you do? Would you leave the 99 to go after the one? So as you're standing at a crossroad, and if you're that one who's been lost for quite some time where you, you're a believer, but you know what? You've been out there by yourself, that you've just been doing things on your own, and you're not within the fellowship of believers. You're not in the, the fold of the 99. God is saying, it's time to come back home. God is saying that you've been outside of the pastures far along too long, too long. He said, will you come back? That you've been standing at that crossroad of which way do I go that I've been following Jesus, but I don't know which way do I go now. I've been praying, God, I need an answer. I need some type of confirmation. Do I go right or do I go left? Do, do I begin to walk this thing out in such a way that I am fully committed to you? We all get weary sometimes. We've all been at that point where we've been at a crossroad. I just want to remind you today that our decisions, is it line, does it line up with God's desires? The decisions that you've been making, the decisions that you've been living your life, the things that you've been doing. Many of us sometimes we place family over, over ministry, if I can use that term. And guys, you know, I, I definitely, I, we have a ministry where we focus on the family because we know that the family unit is important. But sometimes we, we're so close to the family that we forget the ministry that God has called us to do. And that's the ministry of reconciliation. So following Jesus is greater than my comfort. Following Jesus should be greater than my family. Following Jesus should be greater than my desires. Because I know my alignment with God is greater. My alignment with God is determined by the actions. And so today we're going to close with the song, the blessing assurance. Yes, I was going to say the blessing something else. Yes. And today... I'm just going to ask if you want to rededicate your life during this time frame. If you want to rededicate your commitment to the, to the cross. Maybe you've been going astray for quite some time. You've been going rogue. God is saying, you know what? It's time to come home. It's time that you begin to take that path. Even though that, that path may be dark. Just know I am with you. Because we're all, at some point in our lives, will be standing at a crossroad. And my prayer is that you will have that assurance to know that he is with you, that he has never left you, he has never forsaken you, and he desires for you to walk this life out with him, even when it gets rough. And guys, believe me, I know what it means to get rough. You guys heard my testimony? You guys know where our church has been over the past year and a half to two years. 
but the beauty of what we've been able to accomplish, how we've been able to touch the lives of our community, touch the families of our churches, and what God is doing in and through you. For me, that's enough to stay in the fight, to fight for each and every one of you here that's here today. And so let us stand. Thank you for listening to audio from One Church. If you made a decision of any kind today or would like to learn more about what your next step is, visit onechurchnc.net. If you are local to our campus, plan your visit online at onechurchnc.net slash visit.